It's time for the fastest 30 minutes in football talk. Welcome to Pigskin Podcast, your first look back at the NFL weekend. Now, um, definitely not live. From the studios of the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com, here are your hosts, Justin Carp and Brian Giverman. The bye is over for the Cardinals, and it's time to get back on the gridiron this coming Sunday. But first, we got a crazy week seven to recap for you here on the Pigskin Podcast. It is, of course, like I just said, the Pigskin Podcast here on the Fan AM 1060, thefansan60.com. I'm Justin Carp. He's Brian Giverman. Proud to announce now that you can download our show worldwide. And subscribe to the Pigskin Podcast via iTunes. So if you downloaded us through the iTunes Music Store, we thoroughly appreciate you checking out the Pigskin Podcast. Brian, we're coming to you a day late because well, you didn't have a voice yesterday. No, time out. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not going to lie. You lost your voice. We're not going <laughs> to lie about this. Carp, why, what, what was wrong yesterday? You were, you were in a bad mood. You were in a little pissy mood yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't want to do the show. Well, what was wrong? I, can I say that I was in mourning for the firing of Mike no, Nolan? No, because that didn't happen yet. So uh, there goes that excuse. Uh, <laughs> I did I did go home this weekend and spent some time with, with my family and came back a little bit late on Monday. Had a lot of work to catch up on. Plus, I thought that game on Monday night was going to be a little bit better, and it wasn't. So now we're coming to you on Tuesday night. Well, Always will, good. Let's not mention, I was stuck at the uh, Suns-Bobcats yes. preseason game that lasted for an extra two overtimes. I wanted to take my head and throw it through <laughs> one of those TVs that were sitting in front of me. God, was it awful. Well, it's a preseason double overtime game, and I would have been out at the first inkling that I thought the game might go to overtime. we got a lot to get to here in the Pigskin Podcast. We're going to get to first uh, the top two stories of the week, which are the San Francisco 49ers and the disaster that is the Dallas Cowboys. Let's start with the 49ers. Of course, last night, they end up firing. Uh, Head coach Mike Nolan came on the job a few years ago. Brian, first, let's Listen to the press conference yesterday, a part of it courtesy of NFL Network and ESPN. Scott McLuhan, the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. He was our coach going into Seattle because he gave us the best opportunity to win the game. Bottom line, that's what matters here. Once the, some, some outside forces started, started, things were started to be said, knowing that's going to affect the players and the coaches a lot, knowing that once we, we, we didn't have the opportunity for the week to go through what, with those distractions. That pulls away from what our, our common goal is, and that's to be ready to play on Sunday. The media doesn't even play in this whatsoever. The fans don't play in this whatsoever. It's an organizational decision. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of speculation about a lot of things about this team. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about what's happening in this building, what's happening on the field. Um, again, I think it got to a point where a decision has been reached by the ownership family and myself in that with, with the building and building of the distractions with this week, which would have been, it was going to affect us our, for our output and our outcome on Sunday. They're two different people. Um, they have a close relationship. They, I, they're similar from the standpoint of the passion, the work ethic, the intensity. But Coach Singletary, again, if he steps into a room, you see people sit up. You see people take notice. And, I, you know, with players nowadays and with some of their personalities, I think that's important. I want them to feel, you know, that, that when he comes in, there's a comfort level, but also there's an expectation level, meaning we have to go out there and produce. We've got we to play to the level he wants us to play at, and there's, and there's no other way about it. 
All right, Justin. I know you're the 49ers fan. You know a yeah. lot about this team, but let me let me hit on a couple things really, really quick here. First, the good. I like why they hired Mike Singletary. I like his response. He's going to bring get a respect from the players. He's been there before. The leader of that defense is a middle linebacker with Patrick Willis. I think that's a good fit. The first two cuts in, and he sounds like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> he just completely contradicts himself. He says they got rid of him because of outside forces, and then he goes on to say the media didn't have an effect. That's well, where the distractions well, were coming like, from. Come on now. Use so use your brain. That makes no sense whatsoever. And now I'll let you rant and rave a little bit. Mike Nolan was never set up for success in San Francisco. We'll start with that. He was not a good coach. I didn't think he was a motivator. I think that he didn't get along with anybody in the locker room. He had a serious personality conflict with a bunch of players in that locker room. He was never set up. He had a different offensive coordinator every single year he was in San Francisco. That doesn't end to a sense of continuity. And the one year that they did have something going, when Frank Gore led the NFC in rushing, and he had Norv Turner, the team finished 7-9. and nine. They beat the Seahawks, who ended up going to the playoffs on the road late in the season when the, when the Seahawks were still battling for a playoff spot. But that was a big win for the franchise. Frank Gore had a great game. But ever since then, then North Turner leaves. They bring in another offensive coordinator. He was a failure. And then they bring in Mike Martz. There was no continuity on either side of the ball for the San Francisco 49ers. That doesn't lend to success at the NFL level. And Turner, when Turner was there, it looked like Alex Smith was making progression. Exactly. Was on it. And on his way to being a good quarterback, he leaves and it, he went right back to square one. The Alex Smith thing was bought from the start. Alex Smith, first of all, is now never going to live up, and I didn't think ever was going to live up to the number one pick hype. But then again, it was. He also, like you just said, had his best development under Norv Turner. When Norv Turner left, everybody still thought the Niners were going to... Remember, the Niners were a trendy pick to, to win the division and go to the playoffs, and I was the one sitting here saying, not so fast. I don't know if Alex Smith is going to keep this up without Norv Turner calling the plays and being his mentor on the offensive side of the football. And I was right. The team took a giant step back. Frank Gore couldn't stay healthy. He had this situation, the really sad situation where his mom passed away. It was just a bad year overall for the Niners. They can their offensive coordinator last year. They bring in Mike Martz, and when they fired Mike Nolan, I thought it was going to be Martz that took over, but instead they go to Singletary, and I like it, because you see the kind of success that teams are getting under first-year head coaches who have a lot of enthusiasm. Enough. The Redskins are winning. The Falcons are winning. The Baltimore Ravens are seeing some success with John Harbaugh. All of these first-year coaches are coming in with the idea of, I got nothing else to lose. I might as well just try to win in unconventional ways. I don't know how well that's going to go over in San Francisco. It seems steeped in tradition. How However, Bill Walsh, nobody had ever heard of the West Coast office before Walsh, so San Francisco kind of a bastion of experimentation, and we'll see what it is under Mike Singletary. Yep, and another team that's in disarray is the Dallas Cowboys. Last week, no Tony Romo, no Felix Jones, no Pac-Man Jones, no Terrence Newman. Roy Williams gets hurt during the game, and they lose to one of those divi- one of the other teams in the NFC West, the St. Louis Rams. Again, we look like idiots again, yeah. but... That, that Cowboys team's in trouble. I mean, yeah, Brad Johnson at quarterback. They're trying to incorporate a new wide receiver in Roy Williams. And I see this Dallas team, it's, it's going to be a steep slope because their schedule coming up does not get any easier. They got Tampa Bay, the Giants, by Redskins. That smells like trouble. And Brad, Brad Johnson, you know, Tony Romo, we found out today, is not going to play definitely. So there's no dangling going into Sunday this week. No Tony Romo, absolutely for certain this week. Brad Johnson, 
for as good of a quarterback at managing games and, and being accurate in the past, he looked 40. He really looked 40 against the Rams. He wasn't making good decisions. He was throwing, he was underthrowing men all day. This is a team in disarray. They're, I think they're going to lose to Tampa this week. They're going to be 4-4, four and four, and now you have to wonder if Wade Phillips' job is in question. However, I don't think Jerry Jones would make a firing of Wade Phillips midseason because that's Jerry Jones' guy. They ran Bill Parcells out of town to get Wade Phillips in. Then they almost ran Wade Phillips out to get Jason Garrett in, but, now, but he, he stuck with Wade, and now... I mean, you want to blame it on injuries, but still, they've still got tons of good personnel on that team, save Brad Johnson, and I still think they're, they they're can be a winning their team. They're whole starting secondary, though. They're with three out of their four starters from the secondary. Ken no, I agree. the only one still there. That's but, why they're losing. It's not because of the inept offense. It's because the defense can't stop anybody. And if they are going to make a change, it would come after Week 9 when they play the Giants. They got the bye week, Week 10, just like the Raiders did and the St. Louis Rams did. I don't think it's smart to make coaching moves midseason during the NFL. I think it's too complicated. It's too difficult to do. However, Jim Hazlitt, I said it last week after they beat the Redskins, coach of the year in the National Football uh, League for the St. Louis Rams. He still sucks. And he always will. Uh, yeah, he's but, just a- but he's making me look dumb uh, by saying that. But he, those Saints teams were talented, and he never did anything better than 8-8 eight and eight or an early playoff exit with them. Next segment, we're going to move up the plays of the week. We're going to preview the Cardinals in our last segment. Next up after the break, plays of the week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we're going to talk some Packers-Colts in a game that I thought was going to be close. And I was wrong. Brian Gimmerman, Justin Carp, Pigskin Podcast, Fan AM 1060, Fan1060.com. All the football you can handle, high school, college, and the NFL, you'll find it here. The Fan AM 1060. Just one more lap, and Eggle will be the youngest winner in Waitus. Why is he pulling into the pit? Tom, what the? Just remembered, it's my 18th birthday. I gotta register with Selective Service. Give me the Wi-Fi laptop. But look, registration's important to our country and to me. I can't even renew my driver's license most places unless I register. Tom! And by the time you're through arguing, I'm already done. Guys, register with Selective Service online at sss.gov or at the post office. It's the law. Around the NBA, inside college basketball, the football only segment, around the NHL, and every sport in between. Uh, excuse me, Professor Brainiac. Bob Kemp, every day from noon to three, only on the voice of the fans, AM 1060. Skin Podcast, Fan AM 1060, thefan1060.com. I'm Justin Carp. He's Brian Gimmerman. Glad you can join us here on the Week 7 edition, the Cardinals Game Recap Free Edition of the Big Skin Podcast. You're not going to get another one of these throughout the season because the Cardinals bye week is gone. We talked about the rest of the NFL in the first segment. Now, I'm not I'm not a big real theme guy. I'm not really into that stuff. But, I mean, this week it was just too easy, too obvious with these three plays we got coming up. And the first play will start our theme as the fat-ass plays of the week. <laughs> if you couldn't tell by the song that we played coming back in here to this segment, Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. But it is time for the plays of the week. All guys who maybe have a little bit too much meat on the bones. We'll start off with a guy that rumbled and stumbled at USC and now is doing the same thing in Tennessee. Here's White coming right. Here he goes. Go ahead. 30, 40, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, and White high steps into the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! Lindell White 
just gone 80 yards for a big six. Titans Radio Network on the call. Lendale White. You know, Chris Johnson's getting a lot of pub for his 160-plus yard effort. But Lendale White, a bunch of pub as well. That 80-yard touchdown run is the number three play of the week. And the Titans, I said this a couple weeks ago, that is the best one-two punch in football at running back. They might not be the best running back separate, but together they are tearing it up. Perfect complement to each other. And I was one person who thought coming out of USC that Lendale White would actually be a better running back in the NFL than Reggie Bush. And... I don't know. He pushes more dynamic, white, more of a straightforward running back. And some people, you know what? Some people are just better. He's a, he's a game day player. He doesn't mm-hmm. like practicing, isn't going to stay in shape. But when it comes to getting on the field on Sunday, he gets the job done. And those two guys leading the Tennessee Titans, they are the league's only undefeated team. And the team they are playing on Monday night, had a real rough one against the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Yes, they did. Play number two coming from the Packers-Colts game. Manning under center, second to goal to go, the six. Manning takes, fakes to Rhodes, looks the end zone, throws, looks at Aaron Down the sidelines, Aaron Rouse to the 20. To the 25, 30, 35, 40, he's going all the way. No one will catch him. High-stepping in the 10 to the end zone. Actually turned out to be 99 yards on the Packers radio network. Aaron Rouse, he's not a svelte man himself, taking it to the house to put the icing on a cake on a game that really was what the score represented. It was a complete blowout. Yeah, the Colts just looked awful once again. The Packers going into the bye week. They need it because they got a tough stretch of games coming up after the bye. They're at Tennessee, at Minnesota, and then at home against Chicago. This is a, That's going to be a huge three-game stretch, especially that game against the Bears as they are tied atop the NFC North at 4-3 and three right now. And I'll ask you right now, is it time to be seriously concerned about the Colts maybe missing the playoffs? Yeah, I think the one, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change it. I was about to say yes, but because of the situation of the AFC, and it's basically right now there's a bunch of teams tied for the wild card at 3-3. Three and three. So I don't think the Colts are in that much trouble. They just need to get it back together. It looked like they put it together last week against Baltimore, and then they took a step back this week against the Packers. Play number one, it was a game that for a while seemed like nobody wanted to win. It went deep into overtime, and right before this play, as I was watching it on my couch, I said out loud, I think this game's going to end at a tie, and Sebastian Janikowski had something to say about that. 57 yards away, the left-footed kicker from the right hash mark, to win the game. This is going to be a blast. Kondo will snap. Leckler will hold. Here's your winner. The snap. It's down. He's got it up. He may have the distance. He's got the accuracy. The Raiders have won on a 57-yard field goal by Janikowski. Raiders Radio 560 KSFO with the call. And right after that, somewhere in America, Brian Gibberman was doing this. <laughs> I think I just... No, it's still going. How much longer do I have to listen to myself cry? No, that's fine. That was actually courtesy of the Brian Gibberman Radio Network right, right there. I And I think I just sat there with the same look on my face. I was just staring... I was at my friend's house watching the game because the Cardinals had a bye week this week. I didn't have to work. And I just sat there and just... With, I think I had the same expression on my face for about the next 10 minutes. My friends just looked at me like, are you going to move anytime soon? And I... And the answer I just, is no. I just ignored them and I just sat there and I just stared. And I was like, did that really just happen? 
happen. So those are the plays of the week. Sebastian Janikowski giving the Raiders and Tom Cable their first win of the Tom Cable era. 16-13 in overtime. Let's get to some other stuff before we got to go to break. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got a big game uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, as we mentioned in the first segment. Tampa Bay, Jeff Garcia under center. They're playing a lot better, and I think it is directly related to Jeff Garcia being in there. Yeah, and I mean, as stubborn as John Gruden is, I think he's going to realize this, and when Creasy, if Creasy ever is ready again this season, I don't think we'll see him. I no, think he's I don't think done. so either. Because, I mean, Garcia throws for 310 yards, and look at what John Gruden is doing with that team. The number one receiver is Antonio Bryant. Warwick Dunn, who looked like he was done last year. Antonio Bryant, the man who hadn't scored a touchdown for two seasons before last week. He looks a lot bigger, by the way. When he came out a pit. He was a skinny little kid, and he's got oh, yeah. some arms on him now. They got two solid tight ends in Alex Smith and Jeremy Stevens, but nothing, and Ernest Graham being a great team player and moving a fullback, but there's nothing when you look at that offense. You sit there and you go, well, this offense is going to beat me, and right. they just continue to win games. They're 5-2, and two, and on defense, they're led by the two old stalwarts of Rondé Barber and Derek Brooks. As we go to break, uh, one breaking news item that came out today, Kellen Winslow Never one to be reserved about what he's going to talk about. And all we have to reference is, I'm a soldier from his Miami days. He's suspended run game, and it'll be this week's game for some less than complimentary comments about Phil Savage. And for a team that's in complete disarray anyway, not living up to expectations so far this season, another huge blow to the Cleveland Browns. No, I mean, really, just keep your mouth shut. Well, there's no, there's no reason for that. And also, Braylon Edwards, remember how to catch a pass. Just wanted, yeah. to throw that, just wanted I had to throw that one in there. I know we're talking about Kellen Winslow, but Braylon Edwards has been awful this year. Cleveland Browns just a mess, and that win last Monday night, seemingly a, a flash in the pan. Uh, definitely a flash in the pan, I'll say, because this is a team that's just not going to win football games at all for the rest of the season, maybe, especially because I don't think this is a, a story that's going to go away uh, with Kellen Winslow. I think this is going to linger for a while. Yeah. I don't think this is a one-week situation. I could see that, and uh, next week I will try and do a show without saying the word awful. <laughs> I don't know if that'll be possible, though. Coming up next, Cardinals preview. They're visiting the Panthers. Can this team win a game on the road? It'll be a, a test of the medal for the Cardinals. We'll break it all down after the break. Pigskin Podcast. The Diamondbacks, the Suns, the Cardinals, the Coyotes, the Sun Devils, and the Wildcats. Sports Talk Radio for the Valley Sports Fan. AM 1060, the fan. The World Series is here, and it's on the fan. AM 1060. It's the NL champion, Philadelphia Phillies. The Phils move on to the World Series. And the Cinderella AL champion, Tampa Bay Rays. This improbable season has another chapter to it. The Rays are going to the World Series. Squaring off in the 2008 Fall Classic. Here games 1, 2, and 3 right here on the voice of the fans. Every game has a first pitch of 5 p.m. It's the World Series, and it's right here on the fans. AM 1060. Bored of the same old sports talk show? Well, how about all those darn promos for their local sports coverage? Well, it's time for something fresh and entertaining. Rock and Minute, weekdays 3 to 6, only on the fan. AM 1060. Steve Preston is back deep, and the kick is blocked. Flag is down, however, and it's a touchdown. Sean Morey blocked it and recovering in the end zone for a touchdown and the Cardinals win it. 
Dick Stockton on the call on Fox. That was the last we heard of the Arizona Cardinals and the last we saw. Matt McBriar's punt gets blocked. His foot gets broken by an unblocked Sean Morey. And the Cardinals get a 30-24 win at the UFO over the Dallas Cowboys. Big Skin Podcast, Justin Cart, Brian Giberman. We're bringing you the Cardinals preview in this segment since we didn't talk about them right off the top. Let's go right to it. This is a game that has all the markings of a game for the Arizona Cardinals in the past that they didn't have any success in. Number one, it's on the road. Don't really need to do any more explaining other than it's a Arizona Cardinals game on the road. But number two, they're going up against a very game Carolina Panthers team that's playing very good ball. A lot of people thought this was going to be the trendy pick to go to the Super Bowl. Last season, they didn't perform. Now they're healthy. Now they're performing up to where John Fox and the rest of the prognosticators thought they were going to play, how well they thought they were going to play. And I hate to keep harping on it, but it's the Cardinals on the road in a big game. And that usually spells disaster in the past. And this Carolina team is one of the few teams in the league that has a good offense and a good defense. They're quality on, they have quality players on both sides of the ball. And this defense is a very bad matchup for the Arizona Cardinals. They have a good pass rush. They have a really, really good secondary. They're second in the league against the pass with the corners Richard Marshall, Chris Gamble, and Ken Lucas. And Chris Gamble's really come into his own. I didn't think that he was going to be that he was going to translate into a very good corner in the NFL. He's great in college. Not going to take anything away from that. But I didn't know if he was ever going to get his feet under him in the NFL. It was something, the same feeling that I had about Antrell Roll. And obviously they shifted him to safety this season. Chris Gamble proved me wrong. He's become a very, very good corner at the NFL level. Well, Gam- and you got to remember, Gamble started off his career at Ohio State as a wide receiver. Right. So it took him a little bit of time to learn the position and get the techniques down. And that's why it maybe took a little bit of time in the NFL for him to adjust. But still, he's one of the most unheralded corners in the NFL, probably because he plays for Carolina and probably because they struggled so much last year, but it was a very big growing year for Gamble and the rest of the secondary of the Carolina Panthers really coming into their own, as you mentioned, the second best pass defense in the NFL. And Charles Godfrey, rookie out of Iowa, he's been playing well, but that might be someone that... Kurt Warner looks to exploit and use his headiness and his experience to take advantage of. Now, the other thing the Cardinals really need to take advantage of is that middle-of-the-road rush defense. Right. When they lost Chris Jenkins, now they bring in from St. Louis, Damian Lewis, someone who's never really lived up to the hype when he was drafted out of Miami. He was an early round pick. I almost said lottery pick. I was thinking NBA <laughs> there for a second. But can Edron James, Tim Hightower, and J.J. Arrington take advantage of that middle-of-the-road Panthers rush defense. Can I just say something? I think J.J. Arrington made a deal with the devil. I don't know where these last couple of games for J.J. have come from, but I'm pretty sure that he traded his soul, in the Simpsons reference, he traded his soul for a donut, and he's been playing so well over the last couple of games, really the last two games, when you look back at the, the stats. Two, two games ago was the first time he was dressed in the season. He was exactly. inactive, and we, we saw him play in the preseason. Remember in the first show, I thought that because of the fumbling, fumbling problems, high time had in the preseason and how good Arrington looked. I thought Arrington was going to end up as the number two back. I was wrong about that. And this is all coming after up at camp in Flagstaff. I was there for a week. I watched every practice for a week and I was convinced that J.J. Arrington wasn't going to survive training camp. Marcel Ship was the one that ended up getting cut, let loose. J.J. Arrington sticks around, doesn't dress out for the first four games. Then obviously we saw, we saw what he did against the Cowboys. And I, as I said, I would like to see more of J.J. Arrington on the field. And the other key for this 
especially for this offensive line, and Kurt Warner needs to be pointing them out, whether they need to have a fullback chip, a tight end help. They need to know where Julius Peppers is at all times because one thing that he does very well, not only does he get to the quarterback, he does a very good job of forcing fumbles when he gets to the quarterback. And we saw Carolina here last year. That was that strange game where everybody was hurt on both sides. Tim Rattay started for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Vinny Testaverde and David Carr played for the Panthers. And in that game, we saw shades of what Julius can do and has done throughout his career. He had a sack and a half in that game. He had one in the other 15 games. He had a terrible season for the Panthers last year. He's left it in the past because he's having a good season this year. He's having a Julius Peppers-esque type season. And he's somebody that the Cardinals couldn't contain last year in a bad season. I'm not even going to mention it. a bad season for Peppers. This year, he's playing lights out. They got to watch for John Beeson in the middle. Also, another linebacker out of Miami who's had a very good start to this season. He's second. He's first in the team in tackles. It's only his second year following in the footsteps of Jonathan Vilma, who started off very well early mm-hmm. on in his career. Let's talk more about what the Cardinals are going to have to do on the run because, as we mentioned, it's going to be tough to get things going through the passing game. We don't quite know what Anquan Bolden's situation is. We'll probably know better later on in the week. We know that he had the facial surgery. He's got to get the wires taken out of his mouth because he had to have the bite corrected and all that, that kind of stuff. sounds like it hurts. A little bit. And this is coming from a guy. Do you have braces? I had braces. I had braces for like less than eight months. I had braces for four and a half years. So I know what it's like to have to have all those things. Yeah, it's not comfortable. So Anquan Bolden, his his dad is still up in the air for the game, but we'll have to see. But after what we saw out of Steve Breston, if he can get open and get a seam, he's going to be a factor. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a factor. You can work some of those other guys in. It's still going to be tough because, like you said, it's a great secondary that that, that the Panthers are carrying into this game. But are you going to be able to balance it with the run? Are we going to see more of Tim Hightower between the 20s rather than in the red zone because we saw a lot of Edger and James in the red zone and in goal line situations last week. What do the Cardinals need to do with the running game to balance out this pass, which might struggle? Yeah, I mean, and they're going to put two safe. They're going to put a safety over the top on Fitzgerald, probably with Ken Lucas. All day. Lucas, Lucas is a more physical guy. Gamble will probably be matched up one-on-one with Preston because they're more speed guys, and then Marshall will be chasing around whoever the third is, whether it's Doucette, Urban, whoever they got running in there. So it's going to be really, really tough. I do not like this matchup for the Cardinals. I actually, I, I think the Panthers end up taking this one. It, it's definitely an interesting matchup to look like, look at just because the Cardinals are coming into this game with expectations. They're coming off of a bye and going on the road. They're 4-2, and two, and now they're the de facto favorite to win the division with the Rams coming on, but you know we'll see if the Rams can sustain what they've been doing. The Seahawks are a complete non-factor now. The 49ers just fired their coach and are most likely mailing in the season at this point. They got no quarterback play, so the Cardinals right now odds-on favorite to win the NFC West, even if they finish you know nine and seven or eight and eight. But right now, this is the true test for a young team that's not used to this kind of success and has never been used to this kind of success. Will they cave under the pressure? I don't know if they'll cave under the pressure this. Week. Week. I don't want to say if they lose, it's because of that. They are playing a very good Carolina Panthers team, but you can't ignore the fact that this is the first time that the Cardinals are going into a game with huge expectations that will impact them for the rest of the season. And they, they, the Cardinals don't need to win this game. 
they need to play. They need to be competitive in this game. When you marked up the schedule at the beginning of the year and went wins and losses, this game was marked as a loss. I marked it as a loss. This game, they need to play competitive and show they can play with the other top-notch teams in the NFC. I would be satisfied with an effort that they put out against maybe the Redskins where they lost, but you know it left you with a lot of optimism. Obviously, the optimism didn't carry over into the game against the Jets, which we were very happy about. But I was actually pretty satisfied, which is the first time I've ever been sat not satisfied, but I left that Redskins game and I felt like, you know what? This is a team that can compete against the very best in the NFL. The key to the season, sweep those division games. Don't lose one game in the division. There's no excuse for you to lose a game in the division this year. The division is terrible. They're not good. St. Louis is bad. Seattle's bad. San Francisco's bad. Go 6-0 in your division and you're in the playoffs. Another Pigskin Podcast is wound to a close. Thank you, Brian, once again. It's always a pleasure working with you. Thanks for sticking it out for the day's delay here. Hope you enjoyed it this week. We'll be back again next week. Recap that Carolina Panthers game against the Arizona Cardinals. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. It's the Pigskin Podcast on the Fan AM 1060 and the Fan1060.com.